Greetings. I'm Transport Topics staff reporter Eric Miller. Welcome to today's Live on Web program, the Safe Driver Checklist. Today we'll be talking about truck driver safety from pre-trip to final destination and beyond. During today's program, we invite your participation. You can email your question or comments to share at ttnews.com. If you're watching on the web, you can comment directly in the box at the top of the web page. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, simply enter your question in the comment box. To help provide perspective on the issue, we are joined by one of the industry's top professional drivers and the president of the largest association representing commercial truck driver training programs. First, let me introduce Don Biggerstaff, a professional driver with ABF Freight who has accumulated more than 1.5 million accident-free miles during his 22 years behind the wheel. Don has been with ABF Freight for 37 years and is a recipient of ABF's 25-year Safe Driving Award. He also is an America's road team captain. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Eric. Second, we welcome Don Lefebvre, President and CEO of the Commercial Vehicle Training Association. Don is CVAT's chief advocate before Congress, the White House, and federal regulatory agencies. He joined CTV, CVTA in 2013 and brought over 15 years of government relations and political experience to his post. Don, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Eric. And later, via Skype, we'll get a fleet perspective on driver safety from Brent, Brett Sant, Senior Vice President of Safety and Risk Management for Night Transportation in Phoenix. I'd like to start the conversation with a question to Don Biggerstaff. How the heck do you drive 1.5 million miles without an accident, Don? Well, Eric, for me, it's just uh, it's what's in front of you at the time. It's the next mile you have to face. I can't really do anything about the miles that I've already traveled. I can't do anything about the miles that are way down the road. Uh, I just use my training and my experience and my skill to, to drive the truck right where I'm at right now. And you just keep putting those miles behind you, and it's just like uh, saving pennies. They add up to dollars. But uh, for me, it, it's, a, it's a sense of pride. Uh, I was raised, my dad worked in the trucking industry, and uh, I was raised, and my family was raised by the trucking industry so uh, and when I got married my wife's dad drove a truck so it's just a sense of pride for me I remember the first time that uh, I went out on the road uh, for my company I was so proud and I made a point at that time that I was going to do the best I could to be safe because I never want to hurt anybody and uh, to be safe and make my family proud and uh, you know every time I leave before I go out the gate I always say a little prayer and the Lord's honored that and I've been safe uh, he's all this time so uh, one mile at a time, Harry. Yeah, I knew you'd have a modest answer. <laughs> Don Lefebvre, um, in your opinion, are drivers born or made? Uh, they're made. <clears throat> my, well, well, clearly, uh, you know, some students, when they come to training schools, we, we, we notice that some uh, uh, take to certain skills and learn certain skills uh, at a faster rate. Uh, but ultimately, it's about training. It's about repetition and it's about proficiency. So uh, I'd have to say they're made. And for any wannabe truck drivers, do you have any tips on, on uh, how to choose a driver training school with a good credential? Well, selfishly, uh, I would uh, urge them to go to cbta.org 
and uh, obviously choose the CVTA school. But there are, are others out there. Uh, uh, for example, National Association of Publicly Funded Truck Driving Schools um, have great schools, uh, as do uh, PTDI, Professional Truck Driver Institute schools. Is there a crediting agency for CVTA? Um, certification. Um, but s some of our schools are accredited as well. That's kind of a term of art in the education uh, world. But, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, we do have uh, rigorous standards that they must adhere to. And I, I thought we'd start off the program with uh, some situations that truck drivers commonly face on the highway, and they have the potential to turn ugly. And I, some of the, uh, the comment boards I've looked at uh, of, by drivers, they've had some common situations. Uh, one of them, which I'd like to talk to Don about, uh, some drivers say that entering and exiting an interstate is uh, perhaps the most dangerous part of truck driving. wanted to get your feelings on that. It can potentially be a hazardous situation, but usually when I turn on to an on-ramp, uh, uh, I try to size up the ramp. Some are a lot longer than others. Uh, some are shorter. If you've got a long ramp uh, where you can get your speed up to preferably traffic speed before you get in. And as you're going down the ramp, you turn your signal light on, whichever way you're going to merge in, to let people know that you're coming on. And uh, when you get parallel with your lane, you look in your mirror, and uh, you gauge the, the opening that you, you need to have. And uh, most of the time, people will accommodate a truck and, and will and move over for them. So uh, you just pick your spot and you merge in. If you've got a shorter ramp, uh, you might can't get up quite as much speed uh, and sometimes it pays maybe to glance back out of your window and see what's coming because sometimes you don't have time for your mirror to get in position to see what's coming. So, uh, but you always, no matter what the situation is, you have to be prepared uh, to slow down or either come to a stop uh, should there not be a, uh, a place to merge in. But most of the time, uh, people accommodate the truck on that. Good advice. Mm -hmm. uh, I know many drivers um, have an urge sometimes to speed a little bit. I've and going down the highways and seeing them speeding pretty, going pretty fast. Um, and by far, speeding is the number one citation that are issued to truck drivers uh, by law enforcement. And I, w I wonder how you balance the, the urge to get to your next destination on time uh, with safety and yeah. driving at a safe speed. Just training and a concern for safety. Uh, you just have to, when you get out on the highway, you have to value uh, what you do, your equipment, uh, your life, and everybody else's life on the highway. You just have to, you just have to put the value uh, there, and uh, it's just not worth it. And statistics show uh, the faster you go, the more inclined you are to be in an accident. So that's not a good thing. And so, um, and another thing. Uh, Four points on your license and a hefty ticket uh, don't help a lot. So that's a that's a pretty good discouragement. <laughs> Absolutely, Don. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree with everything that Don said. But uh, I'd also like to add. I mean, it's you also have to think about the career longevity and you know tickets and infractions affect you know potentially could affect your career long term. So it's just it's not worth it. It's not worth it for the safety reasons as he articulated, but also from your career standpoint. Mm -hmm. So good advice. Um, many drivers uh, consider approaching an intersection as a potential danger. Any thoughts, Don, on, on how to do that? It is. Uh, slow down most of the time when you're coming to an intersection. Always uh, reduce your speed because it's a place where cars come to a stop and they're taking off constantly. They're stopping constantly. and. 
you know, you like to think that everybody obeys the stoplights and the stop signs and things, but you just can't take that chance. So uh, slowing down is my best advice uh, in entering an intersection. Okay. Any thoughts? Defensive driving. Yeah. Yeah. Just practice it. Yeah. I've, I mean, Don, I've, I've heard that, uh, I heard it said that a good driver is kind of like an NFL quarterback. He has to be able to read the defense. Mm -hmm. um, to stay safe on, this, on the highways, uh, how do you learn to anticipate possible changes in the weather and situations and speeds and such? Me. Yeah. Uh, just, just constantly staying prepared because conditions change uh, when, you, uh, when you're out there on the highway. Things can be fine now and 20 miles down the road they change considerably. Uh, traffic congestion, uh, traffic can stop. You have um, uh, weather situations that change uh, drastically. So uh, it comes with training. Uh, you're trained to, uh, to observe those things, to stay alert and to stay focused. And it's, it's really, that's what it's about, being focused and having your attention on the road uh, and being ready for those uh, potential changes in conditions because uh, they happen. And construction areas are, uh, are extremely one that you need to be cautious in because you're going pretty close sometimes to people who are working on the roads and uh, always obey those uh, signs. Uh, whatever the sign speed limit is and lane changes, uh, follow those to a T because it's uh, for, not for your safety as much as it is for those that are working. So, uh, but you just have to constantly observe the highway, pay attention, keep your eyes moving, uh, don't get fixed on anything, and just be ready for the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Is there any way to, to teach anticipation? Is it a part of the curriculum? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a large part of uh, our classroom, um, well, learning it in the classroom and then applying it out on the open road. Um, it's actually built off of the uh, Smith, what's known as the Smith, Smith system, excuse me. <clears throat> and again, um, as I articulated earlier, I think it, it really, it, it's fundamentally based on defensive driving as well. And um, it's just being a professional, learning to scan the road, anticipate threats, always looking at your mirrors, um, and, and just being, be, expect the unexpected and really learn how to uh, anticipate that. So look, look far down the road. We got, we got a few questions from some of our viewers uh, that might be appropriate at this point in the discussion. Uh, Dennis Potit, who is an instructor for Vincennes University, LTech, asks, how do we combat boredom going down the road? <coughs> Don, I think you might have a Well, I can think of a few ways. Most trucks have radios, and usually uh, there's something on the radio, some kind of music people like to listen to that uh, they can find, uh, talk, talk radio, uh, different things on the radio. My company uh, still allows us to use the Bluetooth uh, headsets with the one-button push. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, you know, coming up the road, I'm you know, feeling kind of tired. I could call a friend and uh, talk to a friend going up the road and before you know it you're 50 or 100 miles up the road and, and you're feeling good so uh, that's one way but basically it goes back to training uh, you've got to keep your head moving uh, you've got to be looking at new objects all the time you're checking your mirrors every five to eight seconds and when you keep your head moving and uh, and you're seeing new things you don't get as bored uh, because you're doing the job that you're out there to do so uh, uh, go back to your training and and keep your head moving you, do you do any training on this aspect of driving? It, it, I think it's all about being a professional. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to, like we were talking about earlier, just keep scanning, keep your head moving. But, um, you know, that, that's the challenge, and that's really, um, you know, why this is a skilled profession. 
And I think that um, you know anybody watching and anybody in this industry knows that uh, that that uh, you know part of being that professional is combating boredom, you know, or, or perceived boredom. So. Mm -hmm. And we had a question from Burl Tate, who is the owner of Burl Tate Consulting Service. He asked, what's the proper way to make a safe right-hand turn at an intersection? Don, you may have some okay. advice on this one. Well, uh, my training tells me when I'm approaching the intersection and I get up there to the almost to the intersection where I'm going to turn, I keep my trailer within four feet of the curb on the right-hand side because I know I'm going to have to swing out to make that turn. And that keeps somebody from coming up and wanting to cut me off on the right-hand side and potentially putting them in a dangerous situation. So I keep the trailer over there and then you take what you need to make the curve, make the turn safely uh, without uh, getting your tandems up on the curb or hitting a fire hydrant. Uh, or guide wires as you turn the corner. But you still have to be persistent in looking in your mirrors because sometimes if they get a break, uh, cars will want to merge up on your right-hand side. And when you're turning, that puts them in a, a very hazardous situation. So, uh, But uh, trying to keep your trailer to the curb and putting your signal light on so they know what you're doing. Yeah, that's a maneuver that I'm really impressed with when I see drivers make that. Um, uh, and Chris Thropp, who's a VP at Sage Schools, asked what resources do you recommend for training drivers online? And I think, Don, maybe you might have a suggestion. Yeah, um, there, there are two. Um, first is uh, Mike Burns and Associate. They do the bumper to bumper. I know that they have a, um, a new online product. Um, also, JJ Keller is another uh, widely known and used uh, 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 producer of, of online and videos and, um, and all sorts of curriculum. So I would check out Mike Burns or J.J. Keller. Good, good suggestions. Yeah, and at this point, we're going to talk a little bit about the driver safe driver list that you, <coughs> you two had prepared for us. And you had some very interesting comments. And we want to first get to uh, what a driver should do before they get in the truck. And Don, you had some suggestions, uh, three, three good suggestions. Mm -hmm. Wondered if you could discuss them okay. a little bit yeah. first. Pre-trip pre the equipment. Okay, yeah, pre-tripping the equipment is is one of the most important things I think a driver can do before he leaves. That's the last stop. That equipment's going to get checked before it hits the highway, and uh, it's just it's just so important. And I try to encourage drivers to drill down a little bit on uh, on the pre-trip uh, instead of just getting the casual walk around and glance. Uh, sometimes it, it pays to bend over and look underneath the trailer, uh, see if anything's, uh, any trash is hung up under there, any braces that um, uh, might be loose, nuts loose, uh, brake chambers loose, check your springs, spring hangers, just to, uh, just to drill down uh, on those. It's, uh, and you know, you can make pre-trips fun uh, in a way. I know that, that kind of sounds funny, but uh, you really you're looking for something that you don't want to find. Uh, but if you find it, you're a winner. Mm -hmm. uh, not only you, but the people on the highway. And uh, you know, these, this equipment, it travels two, 3,000 miles a week sometimes. And you know, things happen. It, it's mechanical. And uh, if you can catch something small, which sometimes turns into things big, uh, you might save a costly breakdown on the highway. Uh, and maybe even more important than that, you might save an accident on the highway. So uh, there's just not enough to be said about a good pre-trip. Mm -hmm. And you also said to uh, understand the day's job requirements. <coughs> That's correct. Uh, a professional driver needs to understand, you know, what, what his company expects out of him. Uh, uh, 
doing his job by the rules. When he comes to work, he needs to you know know where he's going, know the routes, uh, make sure everything uh, is right, uh, check your paperwork, uh, make sure it's right, uh, so you, you don't pull uh, the wrong trailers to the wrong destinations. Uh, that has happened sometimes, and that's not not a good feeling, not by me, uh, but it, it has happened. And what's expected of you at each location, know what your company policies are, and be well prepared uh, to perform the duties that's expected out of you. And you also said to start out with a clear head. Don't don't go to work angry. That's true. Uh, I don't normally I don't normally get angry. I know uh, everybody has their own set of problems and issues. If I have anything bearing on my mind, I usually try to clear that up on the way to work. Uh, uh, it's just not a good thing to get in the truck uh, with your emotions driving the truck. It's just uh, it's just not a good situation. If you're angry, you need to take a few minutes and uh, get things in order and get settled down. Uh, there's just too much at stake out there on the highway, and your attention is needed uh, too much on the road to be distracted by your mind. So uh, I, I made a point uh, never to leave the gate without a clear head. If I need to talk to somebody or calm down a little bit, uh, then I'll do that before I go out on the highway. It's just not worth the risk. Good, good advice. And interestingly enough, uh, great minds think alike. And uh, Don Lefebvre, you have a. You also say to before you start out on the road to plan your trip. Yeah, plan your trip. Uh, you know, plan, plan out route. Plan where you're going to take your your break. Um, you know, understand the geography you're going to be going through. Um, the other thing, as we kind of talked about, uh, or Don mentioned, was then you know pre-trip the vehicle. It's the first thing you should always do. Um, and then while you're you know, he covered all the reasons, I think, why you, you need to do a, a thorough pre-trip, but also pre-trip yourself. I think it's important to make sure, you know, do you have your, your, your license? You know, do you have everything you need while you, before you go on the trip? So mm -hmm. just pre-trip yourself along with the vehicle. Okay. And we also had you two list your three tips on uh, when you get in, after you're in the truck and on the road. Um, and I know, Don, you said to, to uh, fasten your seatbelt. Yeah. Number one for me, that's uh, you, you have to make that a good habit. I mean, that just has to come automatic. Uh, I believe in, I believe seatbelts save lives. Uh, it keeps you in your seat. Uh, it, it keeps you steering the truck. I mean, you could get in a situation where without your seatbelt, you could be thrown in a position where you wouldn't have control of the truck. But with a seatbelt, it keeps you in there. Not only keeps you safe in case of an impact, it just keeps you safe because you have control of the truck. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, the seatbelt use is on the increase. Uh, I think that's a good thing in any in industry. And uh, so it's number one for me when I get in the truck. It's important, yeah. And you also said that when you're in the cab to stay focused and don't allow distractions. Very important. Distracted driving uh, nowadays is, uh, is a very big issue. And, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of you know, think mostly of electronic devices and cell phones and things like that when they think of distracted driving. And that's true. Uh, it is, but a number of things can distract you uh, when you're in the truck. Uh, it might be that apple that rolled off the dash or something you're trying to reach. Uh, it could be your mind, like we talked earlier. You know, people get things on their mind, so there's a number of distractions uh, that, that can come your way. You just have to, through your training uh, and through your concern for safety, you just have to learn that they can't be a part of your day. 
you can't you can't let them uh, get in your way of driving the truck safely. So you have to stay focused. And you also said when you're in the cab, be aware of the changing conditions on the road. That is correct. Uh, like I said a while ago, it, conditions change, especially you know like the winter time weather changes. Uh, you go 50 miles and it's good. The next 50 miles may be, may be terrible. I've been in that situation, and you kind of have to. Uh, be ready for those. Uh, you kind of have to be aware of ahead of time if there's a possibility of that. Uh, you know, speed limit changes. Uh, we mentioned before going through construction sites. Uh, they, I mean, I don't know anywhere now that I travel that they're not doing construction, which I'm thankful for the smooth roads that uh, that they're making. But we just have to deal with that. It's part of it's part of our job. It's part of being out there every day. And traffic congestion, uh, depending on what time of day, you get a lot of that. So there's just all kinds of kinds of conditions that can change and so you just have to uh, be aware of those mm -hmm. and Don you you also uh, so said to concentrate on your driving keep yep. your mind on your keep, driving. keep your mind on your driving like Don said no distractions um, what, uh, whether that's a, the technology or even your own thoughts you know like you said just just be a pro and uh, and keep your mind on driving um, another thing is just to be alert I think he said that and we articulated that uh, over and over here. It's very important to expect the unexpected. And uh, I think one of the things when you're on the road, and uh, obviously one of the leading cause of accidents is fatigue. And be aware of, uh, uh, of fatigue and when you're tired and stop if necessary. Good points. And when you're off duty, you kind of have to take care of yourself, I guess. And and Don, you said uh, that getting ample rest for the next day is really important. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that is very important for a truck driver. Uh, a lot of a lot of truck drivers know when they go out the next time. Some don't. Uh, if you're on a schedule where you do know, then you have to adjust your rest period to where uh, you're going to be well rested when you go out. Uh, sometimes for drivers who are not certain, uh, that might be just a little bit harder, but nevertheless, you have to make sure you have enough rest uh, when you're going out for the next trip. That's, uh, you look at that as soon as you leave this trip, you have to start planning for the next trip to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And you, you also said to stay alert uh, by, and by exercising and eating smart. Yeah, I think you need to maintain a healthy lifestyle, uh, such as diet and exercise. I think in any occupation that you get in, uh, you're in, uh, a healthy employee is a better employee. Uh, you know, I believe that. So you need to take care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself and you're healthy, it helps you stay focused. Because, you know, sometimes we sit in the seat for 8, 9, 10, 11 hours. It's not uh, physically uh, straining sometimes, but it's mentally straining. And I think the better health you're in, uh, the better you'll be able to adapt to those conditions and stay focused on the highway. And you also said stay up on industry changes, new regulations and such? Yeah, as a professional driver, that's something we have to do. You know, this industry changes a lot and changes quickly sometimes. Uh, and so we have to stay up with the regulations and what's required of us, not only federally, but our, our, our company policies as well, uh, what they are, uh, our guidelines for what we should do within the company. So, uh, yeah, stay informed with the industry. That's, that's an obligation of the professional truck driver. Mm -hmm. And Don, you also had some some emphasis on getting good rest. Absolutely, um, get your rest. Get your rest to drive your best, as I say. So, um, reiterate what Don says. Um, also, do some physical activity, and uh, uh, you know, even just taking a short walk, I think, is is really important to, to kind of get the blood blood moving. And then, um, you know, 
last thing I would say is, you know, plan a healthy meal um, and make sure that you're, you're taking care of, uh, of your body and uh, eating right. So, uh, you know, obviously planning a, a good meal before a healthy meal uh, is important for wellness. Good advice. Um, next, we're going to play an interview I did yesterday with Brent Sant, Senior VP of Safety and Risk Management for Knight Transportation. Mr. Sant has been with Knight in his current role since 2005. He's been actively involved in ATA Safety Management Council and recently finished a term as a member of American Transportation Research Institute's Advisory Committee. Do you, do you have a spe specific characteristics of drivers that you look for when they come in the door? Well, you know, that's a great question. We, we hire drivers of varying uh, experience backgrounds. Um, our, our, normal, our normal hiring would involve hiring only experienced drivers, but we have programs uh, set up, training programs, uh, that enable us to hire uh, drivers who who lack experience, um, and uh, and and drivers who are uh, obtaining their CDL for the first time. So experience for us uh, is not the most important factor. Uh, skill and proficiency are. So we'll take people of varying experience backgrounds and we will provide the training that they need in order to ensure that when they're on the highway, they're, they're prepared and qualified and competent. Um, so we have all, uh, uh, we have, uh, all kinds of solutions uh, to, uh, to help drivers uh, obtain and, and become uh, proficient in, uh, in driving the equipment. Um, and I think that's one of the other areas where investment is needed by motor carriers is in training. Um, we, uh, you've seen it with the entry-level driver training rule, which, which is good in that it's, it's proficiency-based. Um, we agree that it should be proficiency-based. Uh, we also provide behind the wheel and classroom defensive driving training. So all of our drivers, uh, are trained in defensive driving uh, techniques and principles. And they, they uh, do that training both behind the wheel and in a classroom. Um, so we think uh, that is an important facet of, of our safety program. When we started doing defensive driving training uh, in 2007, uh, within two years, we had seen uh, close to a 50% reduction in DOT recordable accidents. Uh, but it requires a, a commitment. It requires, excuse me, it requires a financial commitment. It requires a commitment to take the time and dedicate the resources necessary to provide that training to your drivers. Um, but we believe there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of value in doing that. So if you were to ask me, you know, the, the key pieces of our, of our safety program, it would be higher standards uh, for individuals. When we, when we look to hire individuals, Though we can uh, train people of varying experience backgrounds, um, we are pretty uh, stringent when it comes to personal characteristics and character. Um, those, those things are very hard to train, so we look for those in, in all of our employees. Um, 
And then we work uh, hard with our with our uh, partners in the supply chain to uh, create more efficiencies for our truck drivers. Again, in the grand scheme of things, uh, we need to increase driver wages. We need to be able to attract and retain the best people for this industry. And to do that, uh, we need to eliminate a lot of the inefficiencies in the supply chain. And then finally, uh, we make significant investments in technologies. I mentioned the ELDs. Uh, we also invest in uh, collision avoidance systems, uh, electronic stability control systems. Um, we also have invested in in-cab event recorders. And uh, we see a very uh, decisive impact on driver performance and safety with the investment in those technologies. Technology won't solve all of our problems alone, um, but they are important. They're, uh, they're uh, uh, depending on the technologies we're talking about, they're, they're providing an increased level of protection to our drivers and to the motoring public. Um, certainly, there is a lot that you can do as, new, uh, as an individual motor carrier to leverage those technologies effectively. Um, on a standalone basis, the technology uh, may or may not be uh, uh, innately effective, though we think it is, but it's even more powerful when it's leveraged properly by the motor carrier. Are there ways that you monitor drivers and, and that shows how the technology might pay off? Do you, have any, do you keep data on those? kinds of things? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we keep a lot of data. I think a lot, like a lot of large uh, companies, and we're a large uh, publicly owned company, um, we have tremendous volumes of data. Um, part of the challenge is, is learning how to use that data effectively. Uh, and we're certainly getting better at that as a, as a company. And I think as an industry, we're getting, excuse me, we're getting better at using data. Uh, but we what we try to do with our technology is to get inside the cab and to see how our drivers are performing and to base our success not on whether or not there is a collision, but on how well the driver fundamentally operates the equipment from a safety standpoint. And we use the data to help us establish uh, what the driver is doing behind the wheel and to provide the driver the kind of feedback that they need as individuals to improve their skills. And, um, you know, that requires an investment in technologies. We, we started last year uh, installing in-cab event recorders in our, in our equipment. Um, we've been pretty vocal about that in, in our industry. And um, we see a pronounced improvement among the fleets who have installed uh, those event recorders versus the uninstalled portion of the fleet. Um, I attribute that to uh, the fact that we are really providing the driver uh, very prescriptive real-time information to help them improve their driving skills. Now, again, uh, if, if the motor carrier is not disciplined about using that information, and is unwilling to uh, to hold individuals accountable for the things they should be responsible for, um, it may not have much value. Um, but you've got to make that investment in technology first and foremost 
before you can leverage it. And uh, how you leverage it is really what distinguishes one motor carrier from another. We're back live. A reminder to our viewers that you're watching live on Web's Safe Driver Checklist. We invite viewers to contribute questions or comments. You can send them to share at ttnews.com or make them directly on the article page if you're watching on the web or in the comment box if you're watching on Facebook Live. Um, we're going to turn to a few more questions from viewers for our, our panel here. Um, Billy McKillen, president of Royal Trucking Company, asked the question, now that we have the driver checklist, driver safety checklist, how do we get our drivers to use it? Got any, any ideas on that? Um, yeah, well, a number of fleets, obviously, um, you know, will have these checklists for their, for their drivers. If you're an owner-operator, um, I would say, you know, take what we've done on this, this webinar, write it down, and uh, laminate it, and keep it in your, uh, in your truck. And Greg Alsop, a trainer-recruiter at Marvin, Marvin Keller Trucking, asks, what are the best ways to get experienced drivers to really get on board with, with safety? Um, Don, I think you had a few thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, we, we hope that our, our experienced drivers are on board with safety. But, uh, you know, set an example. I try to do things the right way and not cut any corners. Uh, take no shortcuts. You know, when you're working with somebody, uh, an employee, then you see them and they're not taking any shortcuts and they're doing the, the right thing, it kind of ups your level a little bit. And you always try to set an example. But uh, I think uh, uh, safety awards are a, are a good good item to get uh, experienced drivers on board. Some kind of rewards for driving safe because uh, if they've driven safe, uh, they've been a benefit to their company and they've made their company money. So I think maybe in situations where they're working for companies uh, to, uh, to just maybe recognize them and appreciate them for what they've done and, and with safety. Good suggestion. Don, you have any thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think when um, I'll give one example. I know a lot of drivers typically have always driven manual transmissions. We, a lot of the fleets that um, are members of CBTA are now transitioning over to automatics. And what we're starting to see is um, obviously uh, kind of an older generation who would have swore they would have never driven an automatic. Once they get an opportunity to drive it, they won't give it up. And mm -hmm. I think that, that um, technology to a point can, can enhance the role of the driver. And uh, and just have an open mind and you know be willing to, to look at that sort of stuff and and while you're on the subject are there certain elements that you always include in curriculum to make sure that drivers are safe is there is there a prescribed course for that yeah a absolutely um actually a lot of what the uh the entry-level driver training rule um uh, the curriculum that was adopted as part of that uh regulation um, really is focused on safety and I think that there's a big distinction between uh, teaching safety as opposed to simply passing a CDL skills exam or even a uh, commercial learner's permit exam. Um, uh, it's actually much more extensive, uh, the curriculum that we teach, um, but both uh, uh, in the classroom and um, on the road. So um, obviously, um, you have to learn it, you have to then go practice it, and then you have to be proficient at it. So mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of things that, um, you know, safety is a culture, um, and we try to instill that early and often. And Don, what, what do you, driving a truck is not an easy job. What do you think is some of the most challenging mm -hmm. 
aspects of driving a truck? Uh, well, once we've had our training and once we've, uh, you know, we know what to do and doing the right thing. I think uh, maybe, hopefully we don't get complacent, but uh, repetition, uh, doing the same things, and it's what you're supposed to do, the same things over and over each day. And the temptation maybe to cut a corner here or cut a corner there, uh, and, and we shouldn't do that. Uh, we should go through the full process of our pre-trip pre and uh, our driving down the highway in the, in the correct manner. Uh, and by the, on the flip side of that, uh, repetition is a good thing. Uh, the more you do something, uh, the better you get at it. So uh, staying in your routine of what you know to do, the way you've been trained to do, the way you've been trained to drive, and your pre-trip, and uh, that, that's, that's one of the things I think is, is the biggest thing. Just don't cut any corners and uh, do what you know to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, Don, you're a, you're a lawyer, and as a part of your profession, you have to do continuing training. Um, is that important for, for truck drivers to get continuous training throughout their career? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, and what I've noticed when, um, when I've gone out to visit our fleets, uh, uh, our carrier members, I was actually, um, I, I was struck by how much they will, um, how much they dedicate towards safety and continuous training. Um, the, uh, obviously, there's, from what I hear, um, the driver that gets complacent or the driver that thinks he or she knows it all, that's when you got to be, you know, worried the most because that's when accidents happen. Mm -hmm. um, and as an industry, I mean, we spend $9.6 billion a year on safety. So um, I know, uh, obviously, um, it, you know, the fleets take this very, very, very serious. Mm -hmm. And Don, do you, do you have any concerns when you head out in the morning? Um, I know it's kind of a routine thing for you, and, but is there something that concerns you when you have to get out in that congested traffic? Well, when, when you drive day to day like that, you're going to see some aggressive drivers and you're going to see some impatient drivers. Uh, you can't control that. Uh, if they're out there, they're out there. The only thing I can control is what I do. Uh, thank goodness I'm not scared to get out on the highway. Uh, I enjoy that, but uh, we just have to we just have to do what we've been trained to do. Uh, we have to be courteous, uh, not tailgate, leave plenty of room, and just do the things that uh, that professional truck drivers should do to stay safe on the highway. Uh, what other people do, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we won't get involved and in, in, in affected by that. But uh, uh, really, I'm responsible for what I do on the highway, and as long as I do what I do in the right manner. Uh, that's what's important to me and really basically in my capability that's all I can do is the best I can do. Mm -hmm. And you know, Don, I, right now there's, a, there's a, a, a stay on any regulatory developments for 60 days that President Trump has signed an executive order. And I wonder um, if a good part of truck driver training is regulatory aspects. Uh, trucking is one of the most regulated industries there is. Um, and I, I wonder if it's if it's making drivers safer, in your opinion. Well, well um, a couple of points. First, um, obviously, entry-level driver training was um, the final rule came out in December of uh, 2016, and uh, it's likely going to fall into this uh, regulatory freeze. Um, at least that's what we're hearing. Um, the uh, and that's been 
uh, you know, been battled for between Congress, the courts, and uh, and the, the DOT for for a number of years, uh, over twenty, in fact. Um, I, that will go forward, um, and we anticipate that w it will become law by uh, or uh, the law of the land by twenty twenty. Um, I think it's you know one of the things that we've focused on, and, and that's uh, really important to, to our schools. In fact. Um, is a little lesser known issue um, that we've seen in, in a number of states. And um, it actually deals with uh, not over-regulating, but this is actually an instance where we don't have a proper regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for all the viewers out there um, and all the drivers, uh, anytime anybody has a commercial learner's permit, you can only ride with somebody who has a, a CDL. Um, Ironically, though, um, when you go to actually test for your skills test, um, a number of examiners in states don't actually hold the CDL themselves. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we kind of just scratch our heads and, and try, to, try to understand why. Um, so, you know, from the CBTA standpoint, we think that, you know, within, you know, five years, all, all examiners should hold CDLs. Now, many do, many that are third party. Testers will have CDLs, um, but um, it, it actually creates a very um, big problem, and that's, that's examiner inconsistency. Mm -hmm. And it happens in every state, and uh, it's something that, that we're obviously, you know, supportive of uh, making sure that all examiners have CDLs. Mm -hmm. and, and Don, are you, you obviously have to know your stuff on regulatory issues. Any of them out there that you'd, you'd quibble with or that maybe are a little too restraining? Or Well, I, I, I trust our lawmakers to make the regulations that keep our industry safe, and, you know, and uh, I, just, I just abide by them. I mean, it's just, uh, that's my job. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have any quibbles with, with any of them personally. Okay. And uh, to both of you, I. Speed limiters, there's, a, there's going to be another supplemental rule coming out, I think, on that. It's really controversial. Um, I wonder what you think about that. Is that going to, Don, you actually are governed and your trucks are actually governed. Is this going to be a good thing for, for safety? I think it will be. Our trucks are governed at about 63, 64 miles an hour. And uh, I'm thankful for that because it's been proven that the faster you go, the more likely you are to be in an accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it's just a safety issue for me. And, you know, I, I've noticed uh, you don't really, if you, if you gain five, six, seven mile an hour sometimes, at the end of a several hundred mile trip, you hadn't made up but five or ten minutes. It's really, it's really not that important. Uh, so uh, it's, to me, uh, I think it'll be safer. Yes. Any thoughts on it, Don? I, I know that there's a, there's a, it's a little bit of a controversial issue with, uh, amongst the, uh, uh, or within the industry, um, uh, thankfully we don't have to. Uh, we're not. We haven't taken a position on it, um, so we'll. I'll just stay quiet. <laughs> yeah, it can get it can get get political, can it? <laughs> and uh, and I guess I wanted to talk generally about technology and drivers. Um, you obviously you've actually experienced some of the technology. I wonder if you could comment on what you think about it and, and the various types of technology that you find helpful? Well, uh, technology is uh, it, it's a great thing. I think it's made uh, the trucks a lot safer. Had the, our trucks do personally have the uh, uh, anti-rollover systems on them, uh, our newer trucks, 
and uh, I've had have got the opportunity to go to some of these Bendix demonstrations about four times and actually ride in the truck with the Bendix driver and uh, experience that firsthand and uh, the collision mitigation system and the anti-rollover and where they actually try to turn the truck over and to be in that when they do that is, is quite an experience and then see how it operates when they turn that system on and the difference it's made so uh, yeah, those two there are, are great. Uh, the lane departure warning system, I think, is a good one. Uh, it keeps the driver who may be a little drowsy, uh, who is going to veer off the highway, it, it wakes him up. Uh, so I've experienced, we do have those too. I've experienced uh, uh, those uh, speed limiters. Our trucks are governed. Uh, we don't have cameras in, in the truck uh, right now. But uh, for most of the technologies I've seen and I have uh, got to experience, uh, I like it. I think it makes uh, the driver and everybody on the highway safer. Any dangers in relying on technology, or is, it, is there an inclination to do that? Well, possibly, but as a professional driver, uh, all this technology uh, leaves the control of the truck, truck ultimately in the hands of the driver. So the driver has to realize that he is in control. These systems here are just assistance. Uh, to the driver uh, and they're beneficial and they're helpful they're kind of reminders to the driver uh, but the driver uh, professional driver has to ultimately remember that he's in control of the truck period and Don is there any uh, any training in, in new technology at schools this, this is actually something we're we're looking at right now with the adoption of, of new technology um, in essence drivers are becoming more like pilots and you know how do we we're, we're taking the early steps right now to kind of uh, address this with our schools and um, and we'll you know we'll be reaching out to OEMs to kind of figure out what um, you know how this technology uh, what we should teach um, interestingly enough um, for something like ELDs we've actually uh, we do use a number of schools use ELDs um, and but what we've been told from certain fleets is don't teach them teach it in a generic sense but don't teach it for a particular model over mm -hmm. another model because depending on where the student will go they might have to unlearn what they what they already learned mm -hmm. um, so uh, you know these are, are sort of things that um, you know generally um, are, are covered by the fleet uh, in finishing school um, but we are starting to look uh, at this issue kind of uh, from the ground level. I mean, w we can't forget, we're, we're generally taking drivers who have zero experience other than driving a car mm -hmm. and trying to instill the skills to be proficient within, you know, call it four to, four to six weeks. So um, jamming too much technology talk in there um, would, would arguably be counterproductive. Um, but seeing that this is becoming adopted a lot more, uh, or being adopted, uh, uh, quicker, uh, we, we do have to look at this and we'll be doing so uh, in the next couple months. It's pretty fast moving, yeah. isn't it? And on this topic, we had a few questions from our viewers. Um, Roger Nicoderm, Regional Safety Manager for Transwood Transportation, asked, do you have any proven, proven tips for helping drivers accept or embrace collision avoidance and anti-rollover te technologies? Okay. Well, uh, for me personally, I, thankfully, like I said earlier, uh, I've had a chance to uh, 
to see firsthand how that operates. And uh, I'm able to pass that along to other drivers. I think, uh, I think other drivers is probably the best way uh, for drivers to learn about that and, and understand it uh, in, instead of a pamphlet or an engineer uh, telling them about it. Uh, if they see uh, a truck somewhere in a truck stop uh, that maybe uh, has that kind of uh, stuff on it, ask a driver about it. Uh, talking to other drivers that have experienced it and actually know firsthand what it does for them, I think that's the best way to communicate it to other drivers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark Adams, a uh, safety director at Sharp Transportation, wonders how do you help longtime drivers understand that the new technology can actually improve their safety. Is that a challenge, Don? Uh, it may be. There again, uh, I think with with older drivers and and uh, drivers that have used uh, the new technology, uh, like I say, people are willing to listen to maybe a coworker who has experienced something or another truck driver from another company, uh, and and give them statistics. Uh, you know, have meetings with them and give them statistics on how that uh, this new technology is actually helping them. Uh, show uh, the decrease in accidents and uh, things like that and make them aware that there is uh, there is progress in this area with technology and, and I think uh, once they those two things and talking to drivers I think they'll uh, be more able to accept it. Yeah there is a lot of research and, and it's showing generally that uh, that these technologies are helping mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. um, Matthew Drake who is a program manager at Smart Drives asks what can be done legislatively to provide incentives to companies that invest in driver training and safety tools and technologies. I know FMCSA is looking for suggestions on how carriers can get credit for, you know, for deploying systems before they're actually regulated. Any thoughts on that? Honestly, a lot of this is driven by the tax code. Um, and, you know, uh, because if you're going to buy a new, um, if you're going to buy a new truck that has or it's equipped with all these safety features, um, you can utilize the tax code to, you know, depreciate it faster. Um, uh, you know, so I would I would say um, from an industry standpoint, it, it's something obviously as um, uh, President Trump has talked about, and I know Congress is looking at um, tax reform this summer. It's something that we, as an industry, need to pay attention to and just understand. Um, you know, there's a carrot in the stick, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this is certainly a carrot, and you can influence market behavior in the quicker uh, adoption of certain technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, Caitlin Grease, uh, night operations manager at Circle Eight Logistics, wonders: Do you think electronic log compliance will be enforced in December? You might have some thoughts on that, Don. Um, I do. Yeah, I do. What are those thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, uh, and before we leave the, the, the checklist and stuff, and we talked a little bit about driver health, uh, I'm sure you know that sleep apnea is a, is a very big issue, uh, really on FMCSA's radar right now. Um, it's been controversial in some ways. Um, drivers... Um, if they're found to be at risk for sleep apnea, I have to take a drive, an in, an in-lab drive uh, study, I'm sorry, sleep test at a lab, and that's costly. It takes them away from their work. Um, I wonder if you had any thoughts on this, Don, on, on yeah, I do. Some of the um, challenges. Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, 
this is in the proposed rulemaking. Uh, actually, I think it's in the advanced rulemaking uh, stage. Um, and there has been so much confusion for the last couple of years surrounding this issue um, it, that um, you know a lot of it centers around what your body mass index is. And then they've uh, the FMCSA has asked um, a number of questions. You know, uh, has outlined a number of factors that potentially could be. Uh, warning signs like if you're 43, if you're male, if you have a size 17 neck or 15.5 as a woman, um, if anybody's ever witnessed a sleep apnea uh, or apneatic event, um, it, so look, sleep apnea is um, it is very ser a very serious condition. Our concern, however, is that um, too many. Uh, obviously, we're on the side of safety. I mean, th that has to be uh, uh, the, the overarching goal. But it, it, we feel that a lot of individuals are getting pushed to go get a sleep apnea test that otherwise may not need one. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if um, it, you know, if if uh, an individual has either had a, a prior episode or something, yeah, I mean, they it, you know they should should certainly get screened for it. Uh, but these tests are very expensive, and you're, you could potentially take somebody away from their livelihood um, to go get tested, and then you know, pay for a, mach a CPAP machine, which is not not cheap. So um, that's our concern: is that is is um, is there potential over uh, over uh, screening on this issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know FMCSA's medical board has recommended that um, if a driver has three or more of like 11 conditions um, that they be referred, be declared at risk, be referred to a sleep study. Um, Don, is this something that drivers talk about uh, or are concerned with at all from what you see? Well, I've heard it, yeah. I've heard the conversation before. Uh, it's a concern. Uh, I guess nothing's uh, been said on it uh, yet, so uh, the talk's kind of lessened, I guess, over, over the last short while. But uh, it has been discussed. Uh, some drivers are concerned with that. They really are. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the criteria for that sleep apnea, but I do know that uh, FMCSA, as everybody knows, is taking a hard look at driver's health. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think uh, exercise and fitness is, uh, is vitally important uh, for a driver to stay in as good a shape as he can and maybe eliminate some of those conditions that don't. Exactly, actually, here. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, it just it refocuses the importance on health and wellness. And um, I know that there's a gentleman by the name of Bob Perry, uh, Rolling Strong. Bob is a huge advocate of wellness. Um, and, um, you know, w w when I know fleets that have, uh, have focused on this uh, and have run. Um, individuals who, uh, for one reason or another, um, yeah, were disqualified from driving. They go through a program with Bob, and he's gotten them back on the road and back into their, you know, earning a living. And I think it's, it's really important. I think more and more uh, companies, individuals, drivers are starting to recognize how important health and wellness is to, to your longevity of your career. Mm -hmm. And obviously it saves dollars and cents, not only for the company, you personally extend your life. And uh, you know, it, it, we, it, I think there's equally as uh, important of bringing new drivers in. It's also keeping those that we can keep out on the road and, and keep driving. And uh, before we close, uh, any general thoughts or last 
last minute thoughts about what you should impart to drivers about safety? Just, just value the importance of it. Uh, I mean, safety is, we talk about it everywhere. We talk about it within our, our companies, uh, within the industry. Uh, I just, I just like drivers to value that uh, and, and place that as first priority uh, in whatever they're doing, whether it's uh, before they get ready to leave or when they're out there on the highway uh, and, and while they're at home and doing something other than trucking. Safety, safety is what it's cracked up to be. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just put it that way and I just, uh, I just like to see drivers really, really place that in high priority. Any thoughts on what we may have missed here? I just reiterate, you know, obviously the importance of safety, but also uh, safety through training and not just your initial training where, where we're involved, but also continuous training throughout your, uh, your career. Great. Well, gentlemen, those are some great tips, and I appreciate you joining us today for our Live on Web program on the driver, a safe driver checklist. Many thanks to Don Biggerstaff of ABF Freight and Don Lefebvre of CVTA for joining us today. And I want to thank everyone who watched or sent in questions as well. If you missed part of the show or would like to watch it again, a replay will be posted later today on our website, ttnews.com, and our live on web at or <laughs> live on web.ttnews.com. Our next live on web program to be scheduled is scheduled for March 8th when we will explore the latest ideas around driver recruitment and retention issues. Until next time, I'm Eric Miller of Transport Topics. Thanks again for watching. <laughs>